Hey guys, welcome back to the Beck and Call podcast. I'm your host, Merritt Beck. As a longtime fashion blogger, I've loved connecting with my audience over the years on all things life, work, love, and everything in between. And I wanted to bring that to life on this podcast. You can consider the Beck and Call podcast a weekly catch up with your internet bestie, where I share personal life updates, recent recs and reviews, and discuss relevant, interesting topics for women in their 20s, 30s, and beyond. I am so glad you're here. So let's get into this week's episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. I hope you guys are having a great week. I am recording this on Thursday, June 1st, because Emma and I are going to have a pool day tomorrow afternoon. I'm taking full advantage of my newfound freedom (laughs) of not having a full-time employee and doing a little summer Friday action tomorrow. I honestly cannot believe it's already June. I feel like this year is flying by. And while we still have six months left, I feel like there's so many places I want to go and things I want to do before the year is over. So really got to get to it. But before we look ahead, let's look back at what I've been up to this last week. So last weekend was Memorial Day weekend, and I didn't have a ton of plans, mostly because I was just coming back from Brazil and Argentina. I knew I was going to have to catch up on work and probably wanted to relax. And so really the only plans that I made were going to dinner on Friday night, which was so delicious. A group of girlfriends went to the Charles, which I've talked about before on here, just a great spot in the design district. And then on Sunday, I got brunch with my friend Taylor at Parigi, which is another place that I absolutely love in Dallas, but it's a place that I don't go to very often. And I, it's not that I forget about it, but I just don't feel like it's something that's top of mind for all of my friends or anything, but it's one that I absolutely love. And if you go, you've got to get the portobello fries and you absolutely must get the glob, which, which is their dessert. It's one of their desserts. And the glob is basically uncooked brownie batter that's heated up over vanilla ice cream. It's fucking delicious. They also have a frozen French 75 if you love a cocktail. So definitely check that out at Parigi. Sort of an older crowd there, but it's very cute inside and a very expansive menu. So lots of options. You're a picky eater. You're sure to find something. Um, And those are really my two big plans. Emma had said she wanted to have people over on Monday, but she ended up getting a migraine, which worked out well for me because I got quite a bit of work done on Monday. I started on my summer capsule wardrobe, which I have since completed. The only thing I need to do is shoot some promotional materials for it, some photos. I usually hang clothes that look like the capsule on a clothing rack and shoot that for the blog post and for promoting it on Instagram. And I did order a couple of pieces from the capsule this time. So I'm waiting on those to arrive in the mail. But by the time you listen to this, I'm hoping it will be live. So check out my blog, merit-back.com. If you want to check out my summer capsule wardrobe, it's so great. Lots of really chic, neutral pieces styled a bunch of different ways per usual. So check that out. And then last night I grabbed drinks and some Parmesan truffle fries with my friend Lara at Park House. But other than that, those are really my three social plans since I got back in town last Tuesday. In addition to just catching up on work, I mentioned last week that Liza is no longer working for me. So getting back in town, in addition to just catching up, I'm kind of figuring out my new routine and how I want to work and the schedule of things and all of that. So I've just been kind of doing that, but I've also been taking it easy and kind of giving myself flexibility. So it's been it's been a nice little transition week, if you will. 
And I'm actually not totally sure I need to even hire a freelance person to help me with my newsletter and collages because I've been able to do it all by myself in this last week. And that's even while simultaneously creating my capsule wardrobe, which takes up a lot of time. So I really think this is going to work out quite well. But anyway, enough about that. Let's get into this week's recs and reviews. Because I haven't had too many social plans since I got back in town and I've been kind of taking it easy, I have watched quite a bit of TV, so I have some good recs for you. The first is actually a movie rec. It's called Missing and it's on Netflix. It stars Storm Reed, who is actually Rue's little sister on Euphoria. And she plays a, I think she's 18 years old, but a young woman whose mother goes missing. And she basically ends up doing the investigation into why her mom disappeared. Her mother goes on a trip to Cambodia with her new boyfriend and Storm's character, June, is supposed to pick them up from the airport and she goes and they never arrive. And so then she starts to investigate their disappearance and lots of twists and turns occur. She ends up having to hire kind of a task rabbit down there to do some research for her. The story has a bunch of twists and turns, but I think they're fairly good ones. Like the twist at the end, I was not expecting. And I just think it was a pretty great whodunit, if you will. It's certainly not the best movie I've ever seen, but I was very entertained the entire time. The next movie I absolutely do not recommend. It's called The Sun. It is also on Netflix and it stars Laura Dern and Hugh Jackman as the parents of a teenage boy who is struggling with mental health issues. And they are truly the dumbest fictional parents to ever have been written. Like, like throughout the movie, you were just like, what are you doing? Like, they're so fucking dumb. It's practically a lesson in what not to do as parents if you have a kid struggling with depression. Not only do they like totally ignore what the son is telling them to both of their faces. He's saying, I don't want to live. I don't feel like I belong in this life. And they're just like, oh, honey, it'll be okay." Instead of like making him go to therapy and getting help. And then when he is involuntarily committed to a psych ward, they go against the doctor's advice and take him out of the hospital just because he asked them to. It's literally so stupid. Like, Throughout the movie, I watched it. And like I said before, I was literally like, how dumb can you be? Like every step, every time he talked to his parents, you're just like, how are you not? You're not hearing anything he's saying. I mean, I feel like parents should watch this just to know what not to do. Um, I would not recommend watching it. Obviously, trigger warning for like depression, suicidal ideation, that kind of thing. Um, It is very sad, but it's just it's so dumb. Like the writers, I don't know if this was a book before or what, but this was truly one of the dumbest movies I've ever seen. So anyway, don't watch The Sun. You will waste 90 minutes of your life. But you know what you should watch is The Murder at White House Farm. This one is on Max. And it kept popping up when I was on there watching other things. And so I decided to give it a try. It's basically a British crime procedural, but it's based on a true story about a gruesome murder scene back in the 80s in Essex, England, where basically an entire family is murdered. And it's believed to be a murder-suicide. But then one of the underdog detectives decides to investigate further and thinks it might be somebody else. So it's really good. It's not so much a whodunit because you kind of figure out who it, who it is early on. But it's like, are they going to be able to catch him in a mistake? Are they going to be able to pin it on him and convict him and sentence him and all of that? There's a lot of family drama with cousins. The detective who 
thinks it's not a murder suicide is just getting shit on every time he brings this up to the higher up detective who is just such a little man. He just has little man syndrome. He's just like on a power trip and thinks he knows everything and just shits on this detective constantly. Anyway, I loved it. I told my mom and Morris to watch it. I thought it was really well made. The only actress I recognized from this show was from Game of Thrones and she plays the cousin in this show. But I thought this was a really interesting story. Obviously, it's based on a true story. So there's sort of that kind of cool element to it. Also kind of creepy and sad. But um, I really enjoyed the story. I thought the acting was excellent. I thought the writing was really good. So check out The Murders at White House Farm. And then in terms of a more uplifting thing that I watched this week, Smartless, the podcast did sort of a docu-series where it's called Smartless on the Road, and it's basically following them when they did a series of live shows. I don't know what year it was. It might have been 2021. They're all still wearing masks, so it was definitely like mid-pandemic situation. It's about six episodes long, and literally every episode is in black and white, which you don't see very often, and I liked that. But what I love most, of course, they feature some clips from the actual shows, but a lot of it is just their banter in between, like traveling to each spot, them and their hotel rooms together. They're all sharing like presidential suites at each hotel. So they all have different rooms, but they're in the same suite. So they all hang out together, order food. There's a lot of food talk because Jason Bateman is like a health nut. And then Will Arnett is the opposite of that. And they're all pretty funny. And it's just really good banter and charming and cute. And it's not all, it's not all positive. Like there is one episode where they all kind of seem a little depressed after a show where they brought on this, this MIT artificial intelligence guy. When I guess the live shows, people are expecting celebrities or comedians. And so I guess that show did not get a good response. And I just thought it was like a really relatable, real response to that. And I really enjoyed it. I thought it was like very heartwarming. I thought it was hilarious. I was I just found myself chuckling all the time. I definitely recommend it. It's kind of a mindless watch, but it's really, really cute. And you can watch Smartless on the Road on Max as well. And then my final rec for you this week is Paris Hilton's memoir. I was motivated to listen to her memoir because she was recently a guest on Armchair Expert with Dax and Monica, and I found it really interesting to hear more about her background kind of behind the scenes. She was obviously like a huge touch point in the millennial zeitgeist, like growing up, reading the tabloids, like she was always there, always there. And I like I I probably watched a little bit of The Simple Life, but I feel like that came out when I was young enough to where my mom wouldn't let me watch it or something. But I always kind of followed what she and Nicole were doing. I mean, Paris Hilton was just like a huge star back then. But listening to her on Armchair Expert, I learned a lot about her that I didn't already know. And so I was curious and wanted to kind of dig deeper. And so I listened to her memoir and I will say I listened to like a chapter and gave up at first. I couldn't really get into it. I thought the first part was a little slow. And this was also right before I was leaving for my trip, my sister's wedding, all of that. And so I got a little busy. I just wasn't really wanting to listen to it to it then. But when I got back from my trip last week, I started it back up again. And after like two chapters, I got really into it. And then I was hooked and I absolutely loved it. 
her background is very interesting. She's obviously super privileged. She's from like the Hilton family of hotels. Um, but I found her experience, her high school experience to be fascinating. Obviously it's really sad because she went away to these quote unquote boarding schools or for troubled teens, they have these boot camp type places. And aside from her talking about it on the armchair expert episode, I would never have known that she was in any of those. And her experiences were like super intense and scary and like abusive. And it was really hard to listen to just because she is having this terrible time at these places and they won't let her call her mom. And when she does escape, she'll call her mom and she gets handed back to the police to be taken back. And it's just like to not have your parents listen to you, even though that's what these places condition your parents to do. It still is sort of unbelievable that your own parents wouldn't hear how scared you are and how terrible something is and not kind of help you. I don't know. That was really that was hard for me to listen to. But I found I found the book pretty enjoyable. She's pretty funny. And she's obviously a very savvy, smart businesswoman. She's like worth $300 million. And that's not because of the Hilton name. But anyway, I recommend it if you have any interest in pop culture and hearing about kind of her growing up and her experience kind of in the limelight as at a young age. And then, of course, the troubled teen industry stuff. She goes into detail about that. I just I found it really interesting and fun to listen to. And I thought she was a pretty good narrator. So give it a shot. Before we get into the topic for this week's episode, let's hear a word from our sponsors. You guys know I love my sleep. I've always been more of an early bird than a night owl, and I love to get in bed at least an hour before I go to sleep to fully relax, I'll watch TV, and I'll get in the sleep mindset for a little bit. One thing that has really changed the game for me in my sleep routine is by upgrading my sheets to a bamboo sheet set from Cozy Earth. Cozy Earth's bamboo sheets are 100% the softest sheets I've ever owned, and they're Oprah approved. She totally agrees. All products are made from responsibly sourced viscose from bamboo, and they come with a 10-year warranty. I'm personally a really hot sleeper. I can't stand it when my bed gets hot, but I want the room to be really cold, and I want thick covers, but I don't want to get hot underneath. And so I love that the Cozy Earth sheets are temperature regulating. Having these uniquely soft sheets has truly turned my bed into a safe haven for me. It's like being wrapped up in a cloud as I go to sleep. Plus, they get softer with every wash. I'm planning to get a couple more sheet sets for my guest rooms so my house guests can be as comfortable as I am when they visit. You spend half of your life sleeping, so why not make the most out of it and be as cozy and comfortable as possible with Cozy Earth bedding? Cozy Earth is offering a special discount for my listeners. Enjoy up to 35% off site-wide when you use promo code BECKANCALL. Go to CozyEarth.com and use code BECKANCALL at checkout to get 35% off. With travel picking up this summer, being able to do my own nails wherever I am on my own schedule is such a godsend. I'm so thankful for my Olive and June Manny system, which includes everything I need for a salon quality manicure in one box. The Manny system is super easy to travel with, so I can touch up or switch up colors when I'm out of town and on the go. I'm someone who doesn't love wasting precious time at a nail salon when I could be out and about doing other fun things, especially when I'm traveling. The Olive and June Manny system includes a nail clipper, buffer, nail file, polish remover pot, cleanup brush, cuticle conditioner, a nail polish, a top coat, and the poppy, which is the gem of the kit. 
The poppy attaches to the top of any nail polish bottle to give you a more secure grip for even steady strokes every single time. As someone who has very little hand dexterity, I used to suck at doing my own nails, but the poppy has made me a total pro. I won't do my nails without it. The Manny system breaks down to just $2 the manicure, which is an absolute steal when you think about your past visits to the nail salon. I'm also always someone who messes up my nails immediately after leaving the salon. Usually when I'm getting in my car or picking up my keys, I'll hit them against something. So being able to do my nails at home, for example, at my desk, it allows me to keep working and relax and give my nails time to fully dry before having to use my hands. Save time, money, and keep your nails looking fresh 24-7 with Olive and June's Manny system. Visit oliveandjune.com slash beck and call for 20% off your first Manny system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash B-E-C-K-A-N-D-C-A-L-L for 20% off your first Manny system. Since summer is officially here and everyone's going to be traveling a lot more in the next few weeks, I thought it would be a fun time to chat embarrassing slash funny travel stories. I've certainly got a few of my own, but I wanted to crowdsource because I know you guys had some too, and I got some pretty amazing submissions. I'll tell y'all mine first, and then we'll get into some of those submissions. So I've got a few. One is actually when I was really little. I may have been like five or six or something. My mom could probably tell you the exact age, but we were in Puerto Vallarta. It was my mom, my dad, my sister, and me, and we were at the pool probably most of the day. And at some point, my parents were talking to each other and mentioned, not to us, but mentioned just out loud that we'll probably be heading back up to the room soon. And a few minutes later, they start kind of gathering stuff up and notice I'm gone. And they thought I had been taken or that I'd just wandered off. Like they got security and the police involved. They were combing the beach and all of, I mean, It was a resort in Puerto Vallarta, so pretty big property, uh, no idea where it was. Little toe-headed blonde kid in the middle of Mexico. They thought I'd been taken. After a while of searching, one of the guards or someone at the hotel asked if I maybe had gone back to the room, and they just assumed that would be impossible because it it was a pretty big property with like winding all the way back to the hotel. There were different villas, that kind of thing. But they eventually went back to the room and I was just sitting outside of the, r- the door, just sitting, waiting for them. I was probably there for like 30 minutes. <laughs> um, and this is just the perfect example of me. I am such an A to B person. And I'm, you know, you guys know, I like love to be early. I'm always on time. And I guess when I just overheard my parents talking about potentially packing up to go to the room, I was like, all right, let's go. And I just went right ahead and didn't tell them that I was going to leave. I just thought they were right behind me. But it also goes to show I have a pretty good sense of direction. I thought that was pretty smart. Um, I generally have a good sense of direction these days as well. So, you know, I feel like you really are who you are, even as a child. Another little travel snafu was when I was in Paris with A couple of family friends, one of my best friends, Catherine and I, uh, were there together with our parents and we did the bateau mouche, which is the uh, river cruise along the Seine where you have dinner and just like looking at the sights and all of that. 
And I think it's like a two hour or something cruise. And we went on the dinner cruise. And so when we docked, it was getting dark or it might've already been dark. I'm not entirely sure. This was a long time ago. I think I was a freshman in high school when this happened. And this is one example of when I actually did not have good directional sense. It's rare, let me tell you. But this was one example of that. I think I was a little turned around because when we got to the boat, I don't think we had to cross the river to get to the boat. But when we docked, I kind of thought either we were on the other side or that we had to cross. So I just went the entirely opposite direction from our hotel. This, again, was not a time when we had cell phones. Neither of us had a cell phone. We were freshmen in high school, which was like, what, 2001? And we just started walking and we were walking much faster than our parents. And I just I don't think they were really keeping an eye on us because, you know, we were in high school. We were just kind of like, we're just going to beat them back, whatever. Well, after like 20 minutes, we were like, where are we? I felt like we walked, we might've walked longer than that, but we were so turned around. This obviously, we didn't have cell phones, so we didn't have Google. We didn't have maps on our phone. Uh, We obviously did not speak French. And at this time, there were not a lot of people on the street who were speaking English. I should also tell you it was Bastille Day, which is their independence day. So it was sort of like 4th of July where there were tons of people on the street Streets were blocked off, so cars and taxis and stuff were not easily accessible. And we, like, we walked for so long trying to find our way back. We eventually took our shoes off because our feet were hurting so bad. It was, I I don't know how long we were gone. I think our parents were, like, losing their minds at the hotel. Um, I'm sure they, like, called the police. But we eventually made it back. I feel like it was, like, two hours later, made it back to the hotel. And it was pretty late at night for (laughs) two teenagers to be walking around Paris by themselves. I do remember getting like my ass grabbed, which is gross to think about considering I was a freshman in high school, but we made it back somehow. I don't remember exactly how, if we like tried to get directions from someone, but we couldn't get a cab. We truly walked this whole time. Um, So that was like a little bit of a learning experience, pretty scary. I think if it had been any other day, we would have gotten back fairly easily because we could have just hopped in a cab. But because of Bastille Day, a lot of the streets in the main part of town were shut off and it was just impossible. And we we had a lot of trouble just finding anyone who spoke English. And I I don't think that would be an issue now. Like, I think you could just like pop into any. <laughs> I feel like most people in Paris now speak English, but in 2000, 2001, whatever year that was, I feel like that was not as common. And then another kind of embarrassing travel story for me is when I was studying abroad in Oxford, I was there in the summer, my birthday's July 11th, and I was going to meet up with a friend in London who was studying there. And I think they were doing like the business school in London or something through SMU. I can't remember exactly what it was. But I was in Oxford, she was in London, and we were going to go to Paris. My mom had booked me a hotel. Uh, we were going to take the Eurostar over there. And I took a bus from Oxford to London, and I made it all the way to London and met up with her. I think we got to the railway station, and I realized I left my passport. <laughs> so we missed, we missed our train, and it seemed dumb to go all the way back and try to do that again. So... I called my mom, begged for her to book me a hotel in London. 
Um, and we ended up just going out in London. It was perfectly fine. We had a good, great time, but it was a shame because my mom had paid for a hotel room for us in Paris and we were both looking forward to it. And it was just like such a dumb rookie mistake. And, you know, I've never forgotten my passport since. I will say I learned my lesson. I feel like my travel stories aren't that crazy. It's just like me being an idiot (laughs) is the general common theme going in mine. But let's get into some of y'all's because your stories were much more entertaining than mine. Hey, Merit, saw your request for embarrassing slash funny travel stories and this popped to mind. If you've traveled through Europe, you probably know that they tend to be a lot stricter with security checkpoints than we are in the U.S., Liquids all have to be in the same clear bag and under the max amount, etc. I was taking a trip to Paris with my ex-boyfriend and we were connecting through Heathrow and for some reason we had to go through security again. I took out my obvious liquids and put them in the little baggie and sent my things on their way, only to be stopped by something liquid in my makeup bag. I got pulled aside and the man curtly went through the bag with my makeup in it, telling me that mascara, cream blush, and CC cream were all liquids and had to be included in the main liquids bag mascara a liquid anyway he proceeded to go through the rest of the bag which for safekeeping also had my vibrator in it he pulled it out and held it up way high for inspection like he thought it might be a liquid too and didn't notice it was a vibrator until most of the other people around us had already figured it out for themselves i was beat red and haven't traveled with one since because i was so scarred lesson learned if you're going to bring a vibrator make sure it's in your suitcase and not your makeup bag I would also be dying of embarrassment if that happened to me. I get embarrassed, which I shouldn't, if like a tampon falls out of my bag. So like, I cannot imagine a sex toy, (laughs) like what, how I would handle that situation. I blush like you, like so easily. I, it's so obvious to tell when I'm embarrassed and I would just, I would be so mortified. I wonder if they ever get embarrassed when they pick up stuff like that. It's obviously their job to look through and like keep us safe on flights, but there's no telling what other crazy shit that they have come across. I mean, they, of course, find weapons occasionally. I'm sure people pack really weird shit in their bags. I think it would be really funny and fascinating to hear from a TSA agent about like the craziest shit that they've discovered or come across in people's carry on bags, because I'm sure it is wild. All right, moving on to the next one. The first time I ever went to Europe was in 1997 for a backpacking trip with three girlfriends in college. My parents were being super thrifty about the flight and would not spend the money to me to send me on Delta with the rest of my group who had Sky Miles. So I had to fly another airline with plans to meet them at the airport in Paris. This was before regular people had cell phones and all I had was a payphone calling card and a farmer's guide. So it was very important that I be at their gate to meet them when they flew in an hour or so later. When I arrived in Paris and followed the crowd towards customs, I realized that I had made a mistake and was now exiting the airport. I panicked and backtracked through the turnstiles, which set off an alarm with Charles de Gaulle security quickly descending on me like I was a terrorist. I was mortified and terrified. Once I explained my dilemma of trying to meet my friends, they rolled their eyes at my American ignorance, cleared me and put me on a bus and sent me to another terminal where Delta was located. Another detail I had overlooked. I still cringe at how clueless I was that I could just wing it alone in a foreign country with no way of contacting my friends and no French language skills. I truly got lucky that I was able to meet up with them. We ended up having such a memorable experience and toured seven countries over the next month or so and without smartphones. It feels like a different lifetime. I totally agree with you. The idea, I mean, 
you heard my story earlier about how my friend Catherine and I got lost in Paris without cell phones. How did people, I mean, I guess people just carried maps everywhere, (laughs) but it's hard to, now having cell phones, it's really hard to imagine trying to travel without one and without Wi-Fi, without data, without being able to just Google something or search on a map or like being able to look up a gate or a terminal at the airport on their website, like not having any of that information, I'm sure made travel much more laborious. I probably would have done the exact same thing. I would have panicked and backtracked just like you. And I I have a pretty big fear of authority. <laughs> I don't love authority, but I also am scared of them and like will do whatever they say. So I would have been absolutely terrified if I had done what you had done. <laughs> but all's well that ends well. It sounds like you had a fabulous trip. All right, on to the next one. I was on my way home from the Bahamas and had an 11 hour delay. I was traveling with my husband and friends and my firstborn who was two years old. We finally got on the plane and were set to arrive at mid- midnight. Needless to say, she was exhausted and climbed into my lap and promptly fell asleep. We were on our final descent, almost there, and I felt a sudden warm distribution all over my lap, pants, and behind. She had peed all over me and kept sleeping. I nearly died of embarrassment. My sweet friend, a guy no less, got, on, got an airplane blanket and wrapped it around my waist as a sarong and we exited the plane, and I never looked back. I mean, the only saving grace is that it wasn't you who peed your pants. I feel like that would be that would make this story not funny and really upsetting. (laughs) Like That is my biggest fear. Honestly, it's not really my biggest fear in general. But like one of my biggest traveling fears, aside from like a plane crash, is like having some kind of medical emergency in my digestive tract or something like as a uh, Dax Shepard would say, a full evacuation of some kind on an airplane, just because like, what if you can't get to the bathroom in time? What if you need to spend the whole time in the bathroom? What if there's a line? I mean, the, the shame when you leave an airport bathroom, if you like leave a stink or something, I mean, the whole, the whole thing gives me anxiety just thinking about it. I mean, the only saving grace is that it was your child who did it and that you didn't actually wet yourself. But like a full evacuation of a bladder onto you is not good. And smart thinking from your friend about the sarong. I'm going to have to keep that in my back pocket in case anything ever gets a little <laughs> dicey on a plane. All right, let's move on to the next one. My boyfriend had convinced me to buy motorcycles, moped for me, in northern Vietnam so we could ride them to the southern city of Saigon and see the country in a unique way. I had somewhat recently been in a bicycle accident and was nervous to do it, but agreed after months of talk, and he told me many Western travelers do this over there. We purchased our motorized bikes, put our backpacks on the back, and set out on the first leg of our journey. Several minutes in, as we were driving through a busy street, a Vietnamese man pulled out into my boyfriend's vehicle and he ended up falling. We both pulled over to make sure he was okay, but the man was mad. He started yelling at my boyfriend and blaming him. He wanted us to pay for everything. Bystanders got involved that could speak both English and Vietnamese to try and help support us from being manipulated by this man. My boyfriend was working with all of these people and trying to prove he didn't cause the accident while I idled at the side of the street the entire time. I turned at one point to look closer at what was happening and my bike started to tip from the weight of my bag and lean. As my bike tipped, my hand was on the handlebar, which controls the gas, and my bike accelerated forward into a very large fruit stand, knocking the entire thing over. Fruit went flying 
everywhere, all over the street and the sidewalk. The fruit vendor was so angry and yelling at me, even as I was on the ground. We did not win that day. I bought all of the fruit from the fruit stand and we sold our bikes. We took the bus instead. I mean, this is, (laughs) this would never happen to me because I would never take like a motorcycle or a moped anywhere. I'm just like too much of a control freak. I'm scared of dying all the time. So that would be too scary for me anyway. But the idea of getting in an altercation with a local anywhere is terrifying because they know the obviously know the language. They know the system. They have the upper hand regardless of who was at fault. And so that terrifies me. I'm so sorry that happened to you. I'm glad that neither of you got hurt in that situation. It sounds like you survived it, but that would be that would be pretty scary to me, I think. All right, moving on to the next one. I can't believe I'm actually sharing this story. Only my very close friends know about the mayhem that was the start of my honeymoon back in 2013. Apologies on the length, but buckle up. All right, guys. My husband and I planned to kick off our honeymoon in Rome before hopping on a boat to cruise the coasts of Italy, France, and Spain for two weeks. Our second day in Rome, we decided to explore the city and found a really fabulous restaurant for lunch. At the time, we weren't big wine drinkers, but I figured since we were in Italy, we would do as the Romans do and have a bottle with lunch. Well, let me tell you that little lunch bottle led to two lunch bottles, and that led to patio hopping until the clubs opened. We must have still been on the post-wedding newlywed high because we raged until late in the night. When we left the club, my husband wanted to grab some cash at the ATM for a cab, so he asked me to sit on the edge of a stone fountain. The next part of this story is told from my husband's point of view because I have limited recollection of the events. When he got back from the ATM, he saw a man standing by me while I was on the ground. He ran over and the man told him he saw me fall and was trying to help. As they were helping me up, they saw a lot of blood all over the lower part of my dress and legs. Blood was gushing from somewhere, but they didn't know where. Luckily, an unoccupied ambulance was parked nearby, so the random man flagged it down for us. My husband and I were loaded into the ambulance and then taken to the hospital. We were separated at first so the nurses could shower me off and see where the blood was coming from while my husband spoke with the doctor. The language barrier was obviously a problem, so he was very confused when they pulled out the stirrups. When the doctor finally had a look, he explained that I needed stitches and that there would be no numbing involved. Why? I still don't understand. My husband agreed with the doctor out of my best interest. I won't go into detail, but one of the limited memories I have from this night is the unmedicated stitching. As it turns out, when I fell, I cut open the inside of my labia, which required three stitches to fix. I left the hospital without antibiotics or pain meds. We made it back to the hotel and slept a few hours until we had to head to port. The following day, I saw the onboard physician to make sure things looked good. That's when I found out the stitches weren't dissolvable and would need to be removed upon my return to Dallas. Yay me! The remainder of the trip was interesting because I could barely sit down. It was so painful. I literally broke my vagina. (laughs) Since then, I've had three babies, including a set of twins, and childbirth and recovery were a breeze compared to my recovery from that incident. We've tried many times to figure out how I fell. I had a few memories returned several days later, and I still I remember still wanting to dance after we left the club and must have dropped it like it's hot on the street of Rome and broke it. This is so hilarious. You broke your vagina. You actually you broke your vagina. I mean, (laughs) I, I really can't like how 
you must have fallen like right on the edge of the stone fountain. Like I can't imagine how else that would have happened. I also have to say, I am so incredibly sorry about you having to get stitches while being unmedicated. Now you were drunk, so hopefully that helped a little bit, but I had to get a stitch in just one, one stitch in my finger, which has a lot of um, nerves, nerve endings in it. So it is really painful, but they put some numbing cream. They hadn't actually injected anything and I felt it so much and I like, I whined so much, they ended up shooting me up with a little bit of the lidocaine, so I couldn't feel anything. And that was just my finger. I can, um, and, and that was still just, they hadn't even gone all the way in with a needle. I cannot imagine you getting three stitches in your vagina without pain meds or numbing or anything. That is absolutely horrendous. Also, I feel like medical emergencies anywhere else but the US would be really scary because you just, you don't know what the healthcare system is like over there. I'm sure it's fine, but like, I don't know. It's just all a little bit dicey. And then the fact that it was like the start of your honeymoon and you had to deal with that for the rest of your two-week trip, I just, I can't. But like, what a story. I mean, this is something you will be telling for the rest of your life. (laughs) I'm glad to hear that even though you broke your vagina, it sounds like you got it fixed enough to have three babies. So congratulations. All right, we're going to end with this one. I was trying to decide which one I should end with because the last one about the like cut labia and this one are the funniest ones, in my opinion, that I received. I received some others, but I really wanted to keep it to just the best ones. So sorry if yours didn't get read. But this last one I had to end with because it is just so shocking and hilarious and gross at the same time. Okay. Hi, Merritt. Love the podcast. It has shown me a completely different side of you as a longtime follower. Anyways, I went to Las Vegas a few years ago and got on the elevator in the Venetian casino to go upstairs. I had just been downstairs in my pajamas to grab some late night peanut M&Ms. As the elevator was about to close, I see a very drunk girl who's maybe on a first date, kiss a boy goodbye, and then come into the elevator with me. The second the door closes, she kicks her heels off and begins doing breathing exercises and crossing her legs. She noticed me in the corner of the elevator and just said, oh, fuck. The second those words came out, she began to pee all over the elevator. I have never seen so much pee in my life. I was backed into the corner, holding myself up on the railing so that I didn't get up on my slippers. Her floor came and she ran off the elevator barefoot without her shoes. I had about five more floors to go, so I just stayed elevated in the corner, and when it came time to leave, I scaled the sides to get out. Safe to say I lost my late night snack appetite. I cannot with this story. Like, were there not bathrooms she could have used downstairs? Like, there are certainly times when I've held it, but I've never held it so long that I had to evacuate my bladder in an elevator. I mean, she could have been on drugs. She could have been, I mean, like you said, she was drunk. So could have just been that too. But like, God, like the fact that she was at a point where she needed to close her legs and do breathing exercises and couldn't hold it in any longer is insane. But also like what happens in Vegas? (laughs) Like she left the scene of the crime. You feel bad for the people who the custodians have to clean it up. I mean, what did you call down to the hotel and let them know that that happened? I mean, I would I, I would assume there are security cameras and elevators in casinos. So <laughs> I bet 
The security team had a laugh watching that back. But like, was the elevator carpeted? Was it like splashing back on you because it wasn't carpeted? Like, I have so many questions because how did the how did the custodians handle it? Cleaning it up. Like, do they rip up the carpet? Probably not. There's probably a bunch of other disgusting shit that happens in those elevators at casinos. So, you know, how do they keep that clean? I know a lot of people love Vegas. I've only been once and did not have a good experience. I've told that story before. Um, so I'm like not in a rush to go back. But like if that were going to happen somewhere, it would be Vegas because people are just like getting so fucking wasted. They're doing drugs. They're, you know, just having a ball. Sin City. But still, like, come on, go to the bathroom when you need to go to the bathroom. (laughs) Don't hold it and piss all over an elevator. Anyway, thank you guys so much for submitting your stories. I had such a blast (laughs) reading through those. It like really, it really made me laugh. I hope you enjoyed listening to them as much as I enjoyed reading them. that's it for this week's episode. If you're enjoying Beck and Call, please consider giving the podcast a five-star rating and writing a review on Apple Podcasts. If you want more content, follow along on Instagram at Merit Beck and at Beck and Call Podcast. Thanks again for tuning in and I will catch you guys next week. Bye. Bye.